Welcome back to Scratching the Surface, a horror movie podcast. My name is Justin, a.k.a. Money. And my name is Cody, a.k.a. Junes. And I want to start off by apologizing if I sound nasally or stuffy. That's because I am um, currently recovering from getting a bug. I don't know what the hell it is, but I apologize in advance. Um, but yeah, uh, Junes. What do we got today? Because this is a big kind of movie um, followed up with a couple other ones and one coming out in 2024 as well. Yes, we are talking about today and discussing X, which is directed by Ty West. He has directed The House of the Devil, which I've seen pretty solid and The Innkeepers uh, above average. This is a movie set in Texas in 1979, and I should say this is an A24 film. Obviously, they have a pretty good track record overall, so knowing that going in helps as as well. We have a movie here that, on a surface level, is a nod to the backwoods horror genre, or subgenre, I should say. And most notably so, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think the movie that we have here captures the atmospheric traits of those films impeccably well. We will have a great time talking about this today, and we have a direct prequel with the movie Pearl that, if you have not seen, definitely try to get that in your watch list. You can watch Pearl first or X first. I don't think it really makes a difference. For me, I watched X first. Obviously, it was the first one released in theaters. And then I think I watched Pearl at home. They're both solid movies. I do recommend them for most people. Some will probably be turned off a little bit by the nudity. Full disclosure, a lot of nudity here. So yep. if, you're, if you're going in to watch this, just keep that in the back of your mind. But yeah, that's what we got today, Money. I'm excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, it was a first watch for me. Um, and didn't have any expectations. Um, I like to go into them, especially as a first watch, just open-minded, watching it raw for the first time. And yeah, um, very interesting plot. If um, you've already seen it, you know what we'll dive into if you haven't. Uh, it's unique. So um, very different kind of plot to a horror genre um, and what this movie is based around and how we get introduced to the characters, the plot, um, and how this movie, uh, you know, wraps itself up in the end and how now there's a movie Pearl and Maxine that's coming out in 2024 now with three X's. So I've not seen Pearl and I would love to, um, and then follow up with that, but yeah, very, very interesting movie that we're going to re be reviewing. And, um, before we dive into this, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and TikTok. And that is Scratching the Surface 100. Um, leave us a like, comments. Um, we love to get feedback. Um, and yeah, that's what we're all about. I'm going to read um, Rotten Tomatoes' uh, movie info or the synopsis quick. Uh, just for anyone listening that wants a recap or that hasn't heard it. And you can kind of get a message in your brain about what this is about. So... In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas, 
but when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. And it's pretty simple. And this movie for me was very easy to follow. I did not scratch my brain or have questions really. Um, it almost June's reminded me of like, like a subpar version of like Texas Chainsaw because you just you have these group of kids in a van they stumble into Texas, yep. and they're, you know, they actually rented out this place, lo and behold, and get threatened in the process, end up staying, shit hits the fan, um, and we get introduced to Pearl who is played, uh, by an older woman. Uh, but also dual role. I didn't know this before, but Mia Goth also played Maxine and Pearl. Um, very different. You don't see that a lot. Um, and that was interesting. So, Junes, what did you think of the first act? Um, there's a, you know, there's not a whole lot that goes on. It's pretty straightforward. Definitely for me, like a slow burner movie in general for sure um so let's get into the first act shall we yeah yeah for sure and, and to go off of that i do want to cover the cast because sure this is something i did quite enjoy and, and took away from this is that we have a pretty damn good cast at least in my opinion we had rising stars and mia goth and jenna ortega i have yet to watch the wednesday series on netflix with jenna ortega i want to try to get that in my rotation going into next fall hopefully so we've got those two actresses who do a great job Brittany snow the lovely Brittany snow we've seen her in plenty of stuff she's obviously in her 40s now she's not doing quite as much work but she plays bobby lynn and we've got kid cuddy which is a a shock to see him in a random uh horror movie here so kid cuddy's in this martin henderson plays a big role as wayne gilroy and then we have the the person that's filming the whole porno, essentially, we'll get into that, yep. who his name is RJ. He's played by Owen Campbell. And then we have the two elderly people living on the farm that allow them to rent out the the little lodge next to the main house. And we can look up their names here. We've got Steven Ewer, who plays Howard. And then, like you said, Mia Goth somehow amazingly playing two parts here the second being the old woman Pearl. So let's just glad we covered those quick. Yes. And in the first act, I think this was pretty, pretty fun for me. I think there's a lot of cool, unique shots that we get from Ty West. I love the first acts opening scene. We have our main actresses and actors at the Bayou Burlesque, which is around Houston, Texas. We've got some oil and gas refineries just right around the Bayou Burlesque where these these people work. They make their money. They're strippers. And we have the main almost entrepreneurial spirit in Wayne, who is kind of overseeing the Bayou Burlesque and kind of managing these girls. And they have a good thing going where we have all of these workers from these oil and gas refineries wanting some some entertainment, some adult yep. entertainment, I should say. So we have them basically making a living here at the Bayou Burlesque. We have some fun opening scenes then when we have them kind of group together and head out to make their porno together. And it's a really, I would say, upbeat few scenes we've got in the summertime 
playing in the background. We've got them all kind of strutting out of the Bayou Burlesque, hitting the van together, getting on the road. These scenes were very reminiscent for me as well to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where we have everybody riding together, just kind of yep. talking about their future plans. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun. I, what were your thoughts on them? Yeah, I think it was definitely fun to just see them living their lives. They have high spirits for the future, um, wanting to be stars. And that setting really made sense because I imagine you just have a lot of blue collar workers, guys just being guys, really just tired at the end of the day, wanting entertainment. And when you have Wayne kind of micro, well, not micro, but like managing their probably finances, uh, how many hours they get a week, whatever, how much money they're making, keeping track of all that. That makes sense. And for it to be in 1979, I mean, you think now, like 40, almost 45 years ago. Well, yeah, 45 years ago at mm -hmm. this point. Unfortunately, porn probably being on an uprising back then um, and adult films coming out, people wanting to promote that that makes that just makes sense um so i loved how and for me like watching like no idea what's kind of going on everything's raw when i'm watching it uh so first watch like that to me just clearly made sense um and yeah they hit the road and they uh they stop at a gas station in this first act they're getting supplies and not a lot whole happens, um, but they get back on the road only to kind of basically what leads into the end of this first act almost is them getting to a farm, which we figured out they rented um, and Wayne actually getting threatened by Howard in this, um, who I believe was he served in both world wars, which is pretty damn impressive, obviously. Um, threatens them like back in texas like if you're on my land i have a right to shoot you they mentioned that a few times in the movie which is pretty cool um they eventually the dust settles they reconnect and you know in this whole process we learn how you know maxine and and uh bobby lynn just you know they want to be stars jackson who's a funny character kind of in this who also served and has time and he relates to that with howard later on um, you know, they just kind of want their privacy. They learn there's tension there from Pearl, who we see later on. And obviously Howard, there's tension. They kind of figure out slowly what they're doing, um, and how they just portray themselves as people either on set or offset. And we get a lot of kind of interesting dialogue, um, throughout this, but, Definitely that first act, you know, obviously in every horror movie, you got to learn about the characters, uh, what draws attention to them, what they're about. Um, the, the first act did a pretty damn good job of that, I think, um, in the setting we got. Yeah, overall, the, the setting is pretty solid. I love some of these shots we get in the first act from Ty West. They're almost this extreme long shot where we have our main characters walking through on the farm to their their lodging. It almost makes you feel like you're in an isolated, unknown place. And I think it makes us feel what the characters would probably be feeling, too. We have at least two of those shots, three of those shots, almost even. And there's another one later on that we'll cover that is fucking 
phenomenal. I loved it. It was such a good shot. And I like the the part about you talking about getting an idea of everybody's characters and what they all have all been through. I like the part there where Howard asks about the war and he asks that to Wayne and Wayne says, he looks at him, he tells him flat feet. And then I looked up flat feet yep. and I kind of forgot about the fact that flat feet essentially was, was one indicator that you weren't fit for war. Uh, I don't know if it just gives you bad balance or what, but that was just some funny scenes that you get that I think make it a little bit more enjoyable as a film and for the viewer. The first act all around just gets us accustomed to our setting and we have some sus suspense building up with the two old folk on the farm that rent out the lodge to our characters. We have a couple scenes here and there where I would almost say that Maxine's character is having these moments come up more than the other characters where she notices a really creepy shot when they're getting out of the truck at the farm. She notices Pearl, the old woman, up in her upstairs bedroom window, looking out, staring at her. And she also has a scene later on where Pearl's essentially following her and stalking her. So it's almost as if Pearl has this fascination and inclination to, <laughs> to watch Mia Goth's character, Maxine, more than the others. So the first act all around is, is pretty fun. We obviously get into the porno scenes, like I said, a lot of nudity. Uh, right. And we have RJ filming the whole thing, and he believes in making this a piece of art. He believes in making the porno more about the story than the actual act, which is just funny to me. And you mentioned it at this time with film becoming more widely dispersed to the common everyday population. Obviously, people are going to start getting their hands on these and trying to make pornos and trying to make make up the plot for these. It's just kind of funny to me. And I think they all the other characters sort of laugh at RJ or kind of uh, dismiss his idea of wanting to make this this awesome film. And there's even a scene where when they're at that gas station where they're taking a couple shots for the film and Brittany Snow's character, Bobby Lynn, tells Kid Cuddy or tells RJ to get a, an angle of Kid Cuddy filling up the car with gas so that it looks like he's he's pumping his you know what into the vehicle. So st yep. stupid little shit like that is just kind of funny. And I, I kind of had a fun time with it. Honestly, I don't know about you. No, it was I did. It, those little moments definitely bring a comedic relief <laughs> to it just for, again, how the, the movie, this plot is based around it's literally based around them getting this home video shot at this rented out farm cabin that that they had. And I liked how you touch on RJ because um, we learned too in the movie that he's kind of in this relationship with Lorraine or Jenna Ortega's character yep. and how, you know, he's mentioning she's different. She's special. She, you know, she just works the <laughs> the classic, like the boom mic, just in, that, <laughs> in, this, in the production of it. And we see a different side of her uh, in the second act as she's mm -hmm. actually wanting to join in one of the scenes. Um, as well so very very interesting um again like this first act now leading into like the second act it's all simple you know they arrive they start having scenes together um some jokes played around and yeah mia goth's character maxine basically noticing how 
certain things are just eerie. Something about this off. place is eerie. Something's definitely off. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a scene too where she goes into the house and has like a glass of lemonade oh, with Pearl. Such and a good love those. I think that, you know, we get the window shot, but and then that is kind of like what sets off how things are probably gonna start ramping up soon. And and they do. And basically, you know, doing research into this, you know, learning that actually Maxine played Mia Goth and Pearl. Um, you know, they both carry the same essence. They're just in basically different life stages. And um they come across each other for the first time, and then you start seeing scenes after that where you, you Pearl is like an older version literally of Maxine and mm-hmm. they carry the same traits. Um, and we see that at the end of the movie too, they both like, you know, actually confront each other about it and talk about it, uh, which we'll get into later. But yeah, just some eerie shit starts happening around the farm. They're filming and up until this point. Now things really start to ramp up a little bit and we get a shot where I think Jackson wakes up or somebody wakes up and he's he goes to the fridge basically and we see howard come in with a flashlight and they have a confrontation and he's like my wife's missing uh she gets lost in the woods sometimes that night like expressing how this isn't the first time that it's happened yeah yeah quote unquote so <laughs> um howard's <laughs> like you know what man as a marine to marine or jackson i mean as a marine to marine says to him like hey yep. like i'll help you He's like, let me get my skibbies on. And... <laughs> okay, can we talk about that moment there? Okay, so Howard is, it's dark out. Howard is outside the lodge, and he's talking about what you were just saying there to, to Kid Cuddy's character, Jackson. And <laughs> Jackson's just standing there full on in the nude, and we just yeah. see this giant, we just see the shadow of the outline of it because it's dark, and he's standing in the doorway. You just see this outline of this giant schlong, and it's just the, yeah. the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, you see the whole silhouette of him and then just <laughs> a huge dick like in the front door. Like these guys just do not care. They're obviously comfortable with themselves. Um, and we see a lot of that too. There's even scenes where like, for instance, uh, Jenna Ortega's character actually, and it's cool because Wayne calls her church mouse. because yep. She's just so quiet and like, or like, just doesn't want to be involved in anything and we see a twist on that but she actually confronts them like about love and how you know you have to act a certain way when the when the tape's rolling and then offset you know everything kind of just goes back to normal but she like clearly doesn't believe in that uh Mm -hmm. and then she actually partakes in one of the scenes which i thought was very weird she looks like she's 12 in this movie but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, she very, did. She did look young in this movie. I don't know what she's now, but young. yeah, it's a very good point. So, I, I like those those leads, uh, the lead up to those scenes there when we have the group kind of having some interaction and dialogue between yep. each and every one of them sitting together in the living room of that little lodge, and we have Brittany Snow's character, which she's got a pretty pretty damn good voice. I got to applaud her there. She starts singing "Landslide," and they're all just having this this kind of cool moment together. They're sharing in this moment together, regardless of what comes and the the, the final act, which is a lot of blood, I, I shall say. But the, these scenes are cool and I, I enjoyed them very much. 
And that's that's interesting too as well with with Lorraine because RJ at the beginning of the film, I don't think she was fully aware of the fact that they're going to be shooting a full on porno, and she tells RJ like this is not what I thought we were doing here. Exactly. And RJ pretty much calls her a prude, and then we have that cool almost uh, shot back to RJ later on, right around this time when she wants to do the do the scene where RJ says, "I don't want you doing that. No, absolutely not." And she looks at him and she says, why you got to be such a prude, RJ? Yeah. I just thought that was fucking awesome. A little a little comeback on there because RJ almost becomes so, I would say, dismissive of the whole thing by the time we get halfway uh, in the movie. Yeah, and she films that scene and we get a shot of him in the shower, like crying uh, on his knees. And he's just like in shambles of like, he had, he clearly had a vision of her. Uh, in his head about how you know they're going to live happily ever after yes. probably she's going to be this perfect girl for him she's not going to partake in any of this even though you know he's more on the side of hey let's film an actual good movie instead of worrying about you know the shots that are going to be in it what people are mostly looking forward to like he's about he's clearly about the cinematography and just you know even when they arrive at the place he's like this is perfect and yeah, he's so excited. So, up until this point, now uh, I mentioned earlier about the interaction with Howard and Jackson, uh, the old man and and Jackson. How you know they're going to go looking for his wife, and this is where things start happening. Uh, so finally, at this point, I don't know. It's probably about an hour in until we start seeing some real action, uh, which I wasn't a fan of, but it is what it is. Um, because it's definitely a slow burner, but I think the first death we get is with Pearl and RJ, uh, kind of right in their front driveway or in front of the house, if you will. And like I just mentioned too, with RJ in the shower, he actually is so pissed off that he just wants to dip. He wants to leave, just leave everybody. He's like, have fun finding your own ride, getting home. Like he's talking to himself, clearly heated. Uh, and the fact that basically his girlfriend, I think they're in a relationship, uh just did this scene and how he almost felt like cheated on but it's also porn so it's like and you know they had all that talk before yeah so. wayne wayne was trying to straight up tell him like hey i mean yeah. you can't hate her for doing what she wants to do here she made her decision you'll be fine bud and you just got to move on he's straight up right. telling him that yeah and he tries to leave and gets in this old scooby-doo van basically and um great song playing in the truck by the way i fucking love that song don't fear the reaper was playing yep. when he gets in that truck yeah, definitely some hits in there in this movie. And he bumps into Pearl. Just the headlights, he makes like a right turn or something, and the, the headlights boom right <laughs> on she Pearl. She pops out. Yeah. And just like, you know, uh, with our last episode with The Dark and the Wicked, Woman in White again in this. So, um, but this Woman in White's Pearl's just so eerie looking. The makeup, Pro I just got to. You know, hats off to that too, uh, for that dual role with Mia Goth as well. And he's freaking out. He's like trying to, you know, get her out of the way. He gets out, talks to her, tries to confront her, like just basically get out of my way. And she starts approaching him, June's like sexually, like kind of groping him and trying to like kiss him and stuff. And he's like, What are you doing that for? And I knew the whole time, like you could clearly kind of see she had something behind her back as well. They just did a pretty good job hiding it. And he gets just stabbed right in the neck. 
over and over and over again. And I think later in the movie, too, we see his head like fully decapitated. Yep. Um, after the fact, we saw that. So, June's at this point, like, how was that kill to you? And how did you now view things going on up until this point? Uh, now that we kind of got our first kill out of the way. Thank you for asking, because that is a, a part of my review that we'll get to at the end. I think the kills are are fun. I think the kills are very, very disturbing and bloody and everything you would want from them. And this this one was no exception. We've got Pearl acting in just such a fucking creepy way with the, like you said, the groping, the sexual just... RJ is, he's really kind of curling up when he's standing there in the driveway by the truck and she's just all over him. I mean, this, this lady's in her eighties, man. RJ's like, I don't, I don't want this. Please get away from me. And she, once she hears him say that, I mean, she wants this character anyways. She wants the sex, man. She's in her eighties. She wants the sex. Oh yeah. So she hears that and she gets fucking pissed. And man, when she. She doesn't stop with that knife. I think there was at least 10 freaking right in the neck. And I do think he was de- decapitated when we see him later on yeah. in the final the final <laughs> moments of the film. So that is just, just disturbing. And we have some other good kills too because we had Wayne just before that go looking or at least help out Lorraine to try to find RJ. He ends up in, I don't know if it was a corn crib or what it was, some kind of barn, but he was inside there and he steps on a nail within the barn and what's funny about this is Wayne is walking in his in his whitey tidies all the while it's literally it's literally yeah. always wearing so there's just this bull everyone's just and like, wearing underwear yeah. nothing but that they don't it's give just, two fucks man no. they're just they're letting it hang so he steps on a nail he starts bleeding and he hears something outside the barn and he goes up to the to the side of the barn and there's a couple holes in the barn and he looks through them with his eyes there's a moment where he kind of goes back and forth between the hole, trying to peer through with his eye. And it was a very sudden moment, but we clearly see his eyes get impaled through those holes of the barn with something. And I think it's revealed it's a pitchfork because Pearl comes around into the barn and just so, so crazy that she's just standing there in the barn and just starts kind of stabbing his head with the pitchfork fucking crazy i i think right. the kills are, are awesome what do you think about uh about jackson's kill here that we have too yeah jackson uh so jackson's was i don't know interesting he's you know we get shots of them in like you know this farm is like surrounded by a lake or a river or something i think it's just a lake and there's lots of swamp area there's gators they mention um because howard does bring a shotgun and he's like you think you need that or like he's like questioning why you you know why do you need a shotgun he's like well it's for the gators uh so we get some shots of that and they're out there and jackson just sees a flashlight and he thinks like howard like fell Fell or something and like drowned because we just see the flashlight sitting on like top of some grass on the water he jumps in grabs it can't find him howard spooks him and he's like, oh, man, I thought you're dead and whatnot. And um, they have some interactions and they some dialogue. And Jackson straight up just gets shotgun to the stomach, doesn't he? He gets blown away, man. And I love that yeah. moment before yeah, because just... Howard pops out of nowhere. 
actually right. kind of a good jump scare. And yeah, it was. It was. I mean, he blows him away with that. I don't know if it's a double barrel, sh- barrel shotgun or what he had, but he absolutely knocks him back five, six, seven, eight feet. So, yes, poor Jackson. He was a badass. And he was kind of talking to Howard how when he was in Vietnam, he was used to, you know, finding landmines and, and tripwires. So he wasn't worried about yeah. it. But, but he did sure mention enough, that. I like that. Yeah. Sure enough, he he bites the bullet and he's he's dead as well. So another pretty solid kill. I think there was some good moments as well with Jenna Ortega's character there playing the rain when she ends up in the house. She is told by Howard to go down in the basement and find a flashlight for him so that he can go out and look for his missing wife. She gets the flashlight from the basement and lo and behold, finds that the door to the basement is now locked by Howard and she's stuck down there. So it's now obvious to Lorraine that she she is stuck here. She's been locked in. The people that are on the farm are not good people. And her life is potentially in danger. And when she goes back down into the basement after finding the door locked, she finds one of the, the lights to the basement. And she pulls it. She turns it on. And this this scene to me was very effective. She turns around and she sees... I'm not going to get too graphic with it, but she sees a, a body hanging down there and it looks like it had been hanging down there for some time. So very, very disturbing. She now knows that I could fucking die here tonight. So she's certainly concerned about her own well-being. She starts yelling for someone to help and, and to come open the door for her. But she's got to wait a little bit before that happens. We also have, I believe after that, Mia Goth's character, Maxine. She now knows that these two are out and about up to no good because we had a really good scene before that with Brittany Snow's character too. Let's talk about that death. I think the deaths ultimately were some of the best parts of this film and Brittany Snow's Bobby Lynn was again, no exception. Yeah. Bobby Lynn. I think after Jackson got shot, like it cuts right to Bobby sleeping and like getting woken up kind of by that shot uh, out in the forest basically. And she gets up, runs around and actually junes i think before that we do see this is a creepy ass scene too oh god i know exactly what you're gonna say pearl sleep getting into bed with so weird uh, maxine so weird she's got bloody hands touching her and it's just that's all that really happens she like you know is in her white gown still all bloody and she somehow doesn't wake her up sneaks into bed and like like cuddling her basically like being a big spoon right behind her it's so weird and the the sex drive to her is impeccable and literally like just the urge and the drive this this girl chick has is insane so uh bobby wakes up and maxine is screaming and she runs into the room and she's like she's she was sleeping with me and touching me and there's a cool jump scare too uh when Bobby gets into the hallway. Pearl just like walks right by her and she's Full like on naked, spooked. And she runs to uh Maxine, like, and they she's like, She was touching me, blah, 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 blah. And so that happens. And Bobby basically finds Pearl out on the dock. And she's like trying to help her. We learned that actually Bobby wanted to actually at some point in her life be a nurse. And she's trying to help her. And Brittany 
gets or not Brittany, sorry, that's her real name. Bobby gets uh Bobby Lynn gets slapped in the face, pushed in the lake, and Pearl basically calls her like a bitch at the mm -hmm. end. Uh she like finished the sentence she was about to say. I can't remember exactly what it said. And she gets torn up and death rolled literally by a gator in there. Um and there's a gator scene too hinted earlier when Maxine was swimming. Mm -hmm. oh, chasing God. her right up Please, to the dock. Let's, that let's was, talk about that scene. That too. was, that was great. That was a great that was scene. Spooky. We we have we have earlier on, we, we failed to mention it, but that's okay. This scene when we have Maxine going out to that that lake or that pond and she goes for a little swim and yep. the rest of the characters are a little busy with their porno. She's just getting a she's catching a breather. So she goes out for this swim and we have this awesome birds bird eye view of the the lake or pond and of Maxine basically just kind of waiting and kind of swimming in the water. And she decides to swim back to the dock. She probably probably a good 20, 30, 40 feet out. She starts swimming back to the dock. And we see this gator start kind of coming into the scene of this bird bird's eye view just stalking Maxine all the while. Yep. She gets out alive, luckily. Divine intervention, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but those are really, really cool moments. So I'm glad that we we got back to that. But yes, the the kill for for Bobby Lynn was exceptional. Blood everywhere. Yep. You didn't see anything specifically. It was dark. The water was dark. But I thought that was awesome. And then there was something that I did notice earlier on at the Bayou Burlesque the outside painting for their basically strip joint was a painting of a woman oh. very similar looking to Bobby Lynn with just the bikini on. And she's getting kind of yanked on, on her bikini by a gator. So I think Dude, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Together. Yeah. A little foreshadowing. Really That's good awesome. kill. I love that kill. And Pearl is very, very envious of Bobby Lynn. She kind of hated her character, but with Bobby Lynn, when she tells her she wanted to be a nurse, I, I kind of felt bad for her in a moment because this is somebody that probably wanted to be something else in her life. And she and this probably goes for everybody in that business. But it's unfortunate because you you want people to have a, a, a good life. And clearly, Bobby Lynn has ended up somewhere where she did not prefer to be as a stripper. So that was a pretty good, impactful scene, I would say. And I think we pretty much jump back into the house. This is where a lot of the final moments go down. It does. Yep. So Maxine finds Lorraine uh, in the basement. And actually before that, Howard too. Uh, well, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Lorraine gets an axe. And that's like actually in like one of the movie posters too, is that axe. And she axes the door, gets a whole open and tries to unlock the door she's locked in the room she's locked into and howard smashes her hand like breaks her wrist cuts up her fingers a little bit like pretty pretty brunt brunt scene and maxine finds her and lorraine's just like pissed off at her basically blaming how all this is her fault like they're not even like reconnecting and like trying to survive together which i thought was interesting too and up until this point they get Lorraine free and <laughs> this was shocking Lorraine bolts out of the house just to get literally clotheslined by Howard's shotgun like just folded in half I like your use and of words there literally and she gets one tapped I mean literally just <laughs> blown to pieces um 
and they do show like a close-up of her face and stuff and maxine's hiding in the house while that tv is playing lo and behold of her dad who's like the evangelist mm -hmm. on there who we figure out later at the end and she's got the pistol from the van and they mentioned earlier how howard's shotgun when he threatened wayne was empty and he's like all you got to do is wave it around and that usually works and the damn pistol was the same way she, we knew she, it the whole time damn it he confronted them or pearl with it and it shot blank well it was un, it was not loaded i guess it didn't shoot blanks but it was unloaded and lo and behold too before this they foreshadowed the hell out of it because i want to i want to talk to you about this too howard's heart problems in this and this irked me because he just croaks he has a heart attack <laughs> Lorraine must have barely just been alive or something because she like gurgles on her blood. Like, yeah, she gurgles obviously, a little bit. You know, probably getting shot in the neck and face. Uh, that would hurt a little I bit, thought, yes. Yeah, she like, the, I had my captions on in the movie and it said like gurgle or something. <laughs> and she like probably died right then if she wasn't dead already. But it like spooked Howard and he had a heart attack and he almost felt bad for him in Pearl because uh, Maxine had him at gunpoint and she fires and click 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 it's empty mm -hmm. and so what what did you think of that scene because now like you know we're tying into the <clears> end <throat> here uh we're getting all these main characters with standoffs and stuff and lots of deaths at this point but like Howard's death dude that is uh it's such a bad way I feel like for him to go out but they did foreshadow it so somehow I knew they were probably going to use that I'm very glad you bring that up. Pearl is a very messed up character. Once you do watch that movie money, you'll just, it further explains just how, just how wonky she is in the head and Howard actually ends up being a, a, a pretty loyal husband because oh, yeah. that is they her true that. husband. And the fact that he's at least in the prequel, he is not displayed to be as messed up. And the fact that he has stuck around with her all these years is is beyond me. He's had a hard time, obviously, with his heart and being old and being able to have sex. And I think Pearl almost gets this built-up tension that she is just upset that she can't have sex. She wants to have sex. This 80-year-old woman wants to have sex, but her husband can't get it because if he does, he'll die from it. So... Insane, that, I think yeah. just goes to show that when they actually have sex in this movie, a very gross scene, he, I mean, obviously the whole interaction with the rain getting shot was probably a spike to his heart, but I think also they did have sex that night and he died as they, as they kind of thought he would. So unfortunate, definitely unfortunate. And you actually do hear them pleading to Maxine to help them out and Pearl, yep. especially. So, yes, you want to feel bad for him, but at the same time, she's thinking, Maxine's thinking, fuck these guys. And she basically tells them off. She ends up, like you said, with the gun, having blanks. It's not loaded. And I believe here we have Pearl grab the shotgun. And this is actually kind of funny. When Pearl yeah. uh, shoots the shotgun at Maxine, she, she gets blown back. I shit you not, 10 feet through the front door. At least 10 feet, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they had a stunt double for that or what, or like a wire on them. But yeah, she shoots it in the kick of the shotgun. 
and the recoil sends her back like 10, 15 yards, just out the door. She broke her hip, like they mentioned earlier, how Howard's worried she's going to break her hip to Lorraine about to go and get the light downstairs. Insane. Like, insane. I'm like, okay, that's funny, but like, okay, like, that's pretty unrealistic, but I don't know. And Maxine is just rogue at this point, and she basically offs her, gets in the van, and in spite of her and how pissed she is at Pearl and what everything has happened, I don't even think she knows, Maxine knows that her other friends are dead at this yeah, point either. She's just trying to get out alive. She doesn't she care just, at this point. Yeah. She runs her, she runs Pearl over. Uh, oh, it's so good. Brutal scene. Yeah, they show it and puts it in reverse, runs her over, puts it back in drive, runs it over again. Ooh. And out on the county road she is. And that's basically how this movie ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before it does end, we failed to mention too, uh, June's how this movie actually opened up, and that's the house with the sheriff, a couple other you know police officers, uh, and they show all the aftermath. So they foreshadowed mm-hmm. uh, well in the beginning too, and that TV's playing with the evangelists, and um, the sheriffs are there. They find all the bodies, whatever, and then it, you know cuts. But at the end too we see that TV plane and the evangelist or the preacher base. I'll just call him a preacher at this point reveals a painting or a poster and it's of Maxine. It's his daughter. And, and they're basically, he's preaching the whole time how, you know, you can avoid sin. You can find the light in the Lord. Like, you know, a lot of, I don't, you know, it's hard to explain, but like a lot of you're saying like a lot of young kids too, are leaning towards sin and it's just like you have his daughter and all of her friends and this friend group like making a porno or like a home video and stuff and that was like a jaw-dropping moment i'm like no mm-hmm. way they did that did not expect that at all so that was very cool that was a huge twist in the plot yes especially right at the end of the movie well, like literally right at the end almost and at the gas station too they had that plane yeah. When when her and Multiple Wayne scenes. were in the gas station and she she was watching it, so she knew that was her dad, and she was probably thinking fuck fuck him, and she didn't want to make it known that she was she ran away and she doesn't have any connection with her parents there. So that that was kind of a cool tie up on the bow, and those yeah. first scenes were very good for opening up this film. I did really like that because we have the the sheriff and the deputy. They're down in the basement, and he's like. Well, before that, he says, Sheriff, you probably should come see this. And he leads into the basement. Right. We see what is that person hanging down there that we talked about just a little bit earlier. So all in all, a good, a good, decent ending. Is it great? Hell no, it's not a great ending. I don't think it is anyways. It's it's an okay ending. I'm happy that she lived. We have two almost doppelganger characters in terms of the way they think and the way they want to be famous and they want to be a star and pearl telling her before maxine drives her head over twice that she'll never be famous she'll never be a star you're just like me whereas maxine is i think willing to change and i think will end up on a better future on a better road than what pearl have but that remains to be seen and that's why we have that upcoming film with maxine 
that you were talking about earlier on that I'm quite excited about and I hope they do a good job with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is a quote, too, from an article I'm going to read, and I kind of hinted at it earlier, but, you know, because the plot revolves around Pearl seeing how she was as Maxine's like a younger version of herself. So it quotes like um, they're kind of having an interview with Ty West and Mia says, like, we spoke at length about the fact that they're very much the same woman, Pearl and Maxine. They carry the same essence. They're just at different life stages and the product of different circumstances in life choices yes. ultimately, but their spirit is the same. Mm -hmm. So it's just weird seeing the makeup on Pearl and like the things she does. It's just so different. It's unique, but it's so different, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with this type of movie that it is. So June's, I think it's about time we get into ratings. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'll read Rotten Tomatoes. We will both give our scores. Uh, and again, for anyone listening, my favorite part about this is the end here where we do give our scores. I do not know June's score. He does not know my score. Um, and I found this out today with Rotten Tomatoes that it has an audience score of 75%. Mm. So I, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, again, it's such a unique movie, though. Like it's so the, the ratings could be all over the place, but it has a 94 percent yeah out of here see that that kind of 94 that kind of pisses me off it pisses me off too no. it does just because it's a stylish a stylish movie with good marketing and and big actresses and actor actor names i don't care man that, that that's not worth a 94 i do not understand the philosophy behind a critic's mind um that i man it I looked that up and I'm like, you're shitting me. <laughs> 94. And I think, dude, last episode two, The Dark and the Wicked had a 91 or something. No, no. That's what makes me mad, Money, is there are so I, many I movies think... that are all-time greats that are lucky enough to get a 95. So not, how, 90 how is that something possible? In, in general. Like, yeah. Yeah. So insane. I'm going to actually, after this, read um, some of the critics' comments and stuff, but insane um but yeah we can get into our own ratings mm -hmm. um i can go first this time but let's hear it to me uh obviously this movie it was okay for me um at the end of the day it was just okay not something i would you know probably rewatch often um and would i recommend it to someone at the end of the day i would probably have to go with no just for the style of it, the way, you know, this plot is literally based around a group of friends trying to complete a home video. Um, and I get, you know, it's 1979. Kids are doing this. Production is booming yeah. with this at this point. That's just how it was. Those are the facts. But definitely probably not something I'd recommend. I feel like a lot of people would not find that much enjoyment out of it. I think this was a very slow movie. Um, where things could have started happening way sooner uh, throughout it, or just different rev or different avenues of just how they could have twisted in things to you know start ramping up the movie. Because um, it's literally you know group of friends they get to a house, some eerie things start happening. 
and they you know get picked off one by one by this old couple uh the hosts of the farm and you know just i will say the acting was very good uh some positives though and the cinematography was amazing i did love pearl howard was okay um you know they they looked like 150 years old in this movie so but the eeriness of pearl her whole melancholy look the woman in white very very good um the kills were actually pretty good i think they were okay um like the gator scene wayne's death pitchfork like yeah it's pretty brutal but i think they were okay um just definitely not my style it is unique though um and it falls under its own category i think but just yeah you know i think it's also very it's pretty damn predictable too at times it's just you know they do a lot of foreshadowing i just it's not my style um and it was just okay it was okay um and with that i will give x a rating of 6.2 yeah okay 6.2 is mine you know going back to like even last episode the dark and the wicked i think i gave that a low seven yeah this for me definitely falls below that for Mm -hmm. sure um you know being in a in a six category it's okay it's 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 pretty damn average um the things that kind of bump it up for me are the kills like i said they're pretty good um but kind of mid and you know it's just a slow movie it's just so it's just not like my entire taste i i have not seen pearl and if it's anything like this or you know could have a similar rating if it's different has more of an upbeat kind of vibe to it pace all that stuff it probably Mm. will get a higher rating I did love the acting in this. I freaking love the characters. So some brownie points towards that, but that's my rating, dude. And I just, it was just kind of mediocre, just slow. It's just, you know, that's my whole take on it. It just, it was okay. So I'm curious to see what you have to say because, you know, seeing a 94 (laughs) critic score is insane. I'm curious what your thoughts were. Um, And the choices you made in your head to you know give your score what it is so i am definitely curious junes a 6-2 is very very respectable here i think when x came out it was just popular it's stylish it's kind and of it a feast for Jenna, the eyes to see Jenna ortega yeah. like that's probably gonna boost it like but yes. for me it's like no no just just the poster art alone is enough to get people into the theater but the fact that we have critics going with a 94%. And if I, if the critics say the reason they went with a 94 or whatever it was because of the underlying message. No, there, that should not bolster this to a 94. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion, but I will give my review nonetheless, because I want my voice to be heard too. Just like, uh, just like Maxine, she wants to be she yep. wants to be famous. Okay, anyway, so my review here, I'm excited to give it. Look, X is fresh. It's appealing and it's energized from the jump. We have a few rising stars and Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega. Those two actresses alone just bring interest to the film and make it more watchable. They do they do a great job. Although I will say Jenna Ortega didn't get as many scenes and opportunities to do that. Clearly, she's a very talented woman. 
Ty West as a director, I think he does a fine job overall, at least cohesive plot wise. He does a fine job. Is he, is he groundbreaking? Absolutely not. He engineers some fun and bold tactics, such as the use of the extreme long shots, which I thought were really cool. There was like three of them. We had the bird's eye view of Maxine in the pond. We had the one of our, our characters walking to the lodge early on with the overall entire landscape of the farm. And we also have another one too, when Maxine walks out to the pond and she's on the dock and it slowly starts zooming out to the point that she is, she seems like a very small figure, like an ant in this overall isolated place, this unknown place. So that I think instilled an almost false sense of trust in his, his direction for the remainder of the movie personally. And when we get revealed to our antagonists and the threat is as plain as day and the action ramps up, this is when I began to lose some interest here, Money. I think that there was some really just outright weird moments. We went from creepy with our antagonists to weird. And when it becomes weird, I just don't value the film like I, I would for other ones that go more so for the actually scary, deep, scary stuff that really hits me different, strikes home. This one just didn't strike home for me. And overall, the the kills were really fucking good. I thought that those were enough to bolster this maybe 10%, 15% overall. We have a lot of fun ones, a lot of gore. And I do think that the message overall is effectively disturbing. I mean, regarding sex, beauty, and youth, which is further explored in the prequel Pearl. So I do ultimately, and I disagree a little bit with you, I ultimately recommend it, but I'm not, this is this is a 6.6 for me. I'm going to 6.6. Oh. It's not over a seven. I recommend, I recommend it, but I don't, I don't hold this in a, in the same light as a lot of the, the better films in the genre for me. So that, that's my ultimate rating here. We got a six, six and money a six, two. We are in the ballpark though. Again, dude, yeah. it's crazy. But yeah, you dude, I loved hearing your take because it's just such a different style of line to a plot, the message, like you said. Um, and yeah, it like, I, I love how you brought up too. Like it, it just gets weird. Like it doesn't keep that eeriness feeling a creepy house, like, and how these characters really feel, except the fact is we start getting scenes with Pearl just being so goddamn weird. The kills were good. Yeah. It cuts back and forth to Howard and them. And like, it's just, it tried to tie a bow to wrap itself up in a good way, but that bow is just a shitty bow. I think for me it's just not like it's a pretty bad looking bow i think <laughs> it's man i think it could have had a lot of potential mm -hmm. with the direction it could have taken with this cast like oh just lost potential there's nothing worse than that with a great cast and and you know how it could have ended up you know i i don't have like an alternate ending to just give out on the spot but like you know even like I mentioned earlier, Maxine, she she dipped without even probably knowing her friends are dead or if they were alive. She just dipped and it's just such a weird way to end. Um, but yeah, 
I think that about uh, sums it up, Junes. What do you say? Anything Anything else? Last second comments? Just Yeah, I recommend it. I just don't think that it's worth over a 70. Just because it's exactly. appe- appealing to look at and easy on the eyes does not mean that this is a, a groundbreaking horror film. I think it has a good nod to the the genre here, the subgenre, and I think it pays homage very well to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but no, yeah. the, t- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I would have to give it an official rating. I my my initial thoughts are like an eight for that movie at least. This does just just does not do that. It's not that that high for me. So overall, I think it's worth a watch. Do I think that it's going to change your life for for a horror movie going? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I loved scratching the surface with X. Again, it came out in 2022 and I liked how, you know, we we discussed this. It's definitely a unique movie in its own category. Uh, getting off the rails a little bit with diving into other things. I loved it. So, again, thank you guys for listening. And, um, again, I apologize. I sound like shit. But um, we will have another episode out soon. Stay tuned. And, Junes, it's always been a pleasure, man. Yes, sir. Always.